0: Hi, good morning. So about, uh, I think about four or five years ago, I was asked to speak at a medical missions event, a medical missions conference. And so before that event, what happened is about four or five of us, we got together, the people who were supposed to be speaking at the conference, just over copy to to kind of think about, you know, what we're going to say, what the message was going to be. And, uh, okay, not their real names, but let's just call them like like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Mutu. Okay, so it's like about five of us. And um, as... um, we were talking, I mean, one of the speakers uh, was thinking about what his message would be, and the thing that he really wanted to put out was the idea that, you know, um, th- th- there's there's all this need and that, you know, Christian doctors should be involved in this. This is part of their Christian, Christian obligation to be involved in service in the places where they can. And one of the other speakers, uh, let's call him John, right? He was saying, wait, I, I'm not sure that we should do that because the thing is, whenever we make claims of christian obligations or what a christian is supposed to do what christian behavior is supposed to be like we risk giving the message that you know of, of, of kind of a right of a works righteousness of this is what you need to do in order to be a believer and there's something wrong with that and um, so, so we kind of had a little discussion about this and at the end of the day he was the minority so we just proceeded to you know uh, to, to give that, that larger message but the thing is this is something that keeps coming up. I I don't know if you have encountered this, but in kind of discussions in the the church or in cell group or with believers elsewhere, whenever we talk about any kind of Christian obligation, sooner or later there's going to be one guy who gets up and says this, right? This is is legalism, this is, uh, you know, works righteousness, and we should not even be discussing it in this way because it takes away from the idea of salvation by grace. And that's you know, that, that may be a legitimate concern at times, but at other times that I know that, at least for me, the time that that objection comes out most is when I'm not sure I want to hear something. Like, I, I, okay, while I was in East Timor, I was listening to uh, Pastor Cockfires' message o- over the podcast. And so I was listening to him saying, you know, how you know these like older men, uncles need to do this. And I'm like, yes, preach it, brother. You know, like younger women need to do this. Yes, preach it, brother. And then it gets to younger men. I'm like, no, 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 but I'm saved by grace. And so I don't need to... So, I, I and I can see, you know, like the, the way that my own heart tends to to appeal to the idea of saved by grace. Therefore, there should be no talk about Christian behavior whenever it's kind of a bit more convenient for me to to shield myself. And so, the question is: is how exactly should we talk about good works uh, within the church, within the believer's life, in a way that is biblically accurate, which is true to the scriptures, but which also addresses, Take seriously the concern that sometimes when we do this, we may be, you know, promoting a sense of works righteousness. H- how do we keep that balance? And how do we do it in a way that's, that's suitable for, you know, whether we're talking to non-believers, whether we're talking to people who are within the church, whether you're talking to your cell group about a, per- a particular aspect of Christian obligation, or, or maybe the children that you're bringing up in the Lord, or you know, your mentee, you know, younger Christians, how, how do we speak about this, about good works w- within the believer's life? And so, we're, we're going to do that through, uh, you know, this last sermon in the uh, book of Titus. And so, you'll remember that, you know, we've had, this is the third chapter, the third sermon. So, the first one was by Pastor Kevin on, uh, you know, set things right, Pastor Kokfai last week on teach what's right, and today me on, on uh, do what's right. Um... And I just want to point out first that the transition between Titus two and chapter three, uh, Titus chapter two and chapter three, is quite blurry because the, the two chapters do, don't really divide very much, and that's I hope that's the reason why Pastor Cockfie stole all the things that I wanted to say last week, right? So I mean, if you've heard that, just think of me as like a, a younger and shorter version of Cockfie giving you a very similar message. But in any case, so I, I just want to kind of go back to Titus 2. We'll just kind of recap that and then move on to chapter 3. So you'll remember that in Titus chapter 2, in the beginning he goes, uh, this is Paul who's writing, he says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And then he elaborates on what that means. So older men do this, older women do this, young women do this, younger men do this. Yourself, be a model of righteousness, do this. bondservants servants do this. And then he pauses goes back and says why, and he says, for the grace of God has appeared. And then he elaborates on that. And then, once again, he goes on to uh, to verse 15, where he says, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Chapter 3, verse 1, remind them to, and then he carries on, you know, explaining how... uh you uh, know he 's supposed to come Titus is supposed to continue uh you know declaring and exhorting and uh, and teaching and reminding and so Paul hardly pauses to take a breath between these two chapters right it's basically one idea one teaching that he's talking about and so this is in titus chapter three and a li- and before we go on to uh talk about the to look at the text itself, I just want to draw your attention to basically the structure of that whole chapter and basically kind of Three big things happen in the chapter. So, one is Titus talks about, sorry, Paul talks about what believers should be like, what believers should not be like, or what believers once were like before they were saved. And he talks about why that change should occur, right? And so, let's look at that text now, and, uh, and uh, I'm going to read through this, so this whole uh, text in uh, the ESV. So Titus chapter 3, verse 1 onward. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once, then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send... Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenas the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. These are some of the final remarks that Paul makes in the in the letter uh, to Titus. Verse 14, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not to be unfruitful. All who are with me, send greetings to you. Greet all those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. And so, did did, did you catch that? So Paul talks about what believers should be like, what they should not be like, and takes a little while to tell us about why. And so I'm going to just go through these bits, and then we'll talk in a little bit more detail about what exactly are the... Uh, are are the ways that Christians should behave uh, when it comes to good works. And so about good works, what believers should be like and what believers should not be like. So in verse 1 to 2, he talks about submission and obedience and ready for every good work, speaking evil of no one or to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show courtesy. And when he uses the term every good work, here and in the rest of the book of Titus, he isn't necessarily talking about, you know, going out there and doing works of charity or or being nice to people. He's talking about that whole all of those aspects of Christian behavior. Whether it's it's it's, it's your it's your thinking, it's your words, it's your actions, it's how you you deal with God, you, how you deal with people, how you deal with people outside of the church. So it's all of those things that he has in mind when he's talking about what believers should be like. <coughs> and then verse eight, devote themselves to good works because they are excellent and profitable. And that believers would be those that learn to devote themselves to good works to help the cases of urgent need and to not be unfruitful. And you can see that in some ways the contrast that he draws between the believers and the non believers, it's Very similar kinds of things. And so he says, you know, be submissive, obedient, ready for every good work. Speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. Be gentle. Show courtesy. And he contrasts that with what the non-believers are like, who are foolish and disobedient, uh, you know, uh, having uh, having malice and envy and hating and hatred. So how you treat one another. And about the kind of things that believers or non-believers devote themselves to, or should devote themselves to, to to good works, excellent and profitable, versus foolish controversies and genealogies and dissensions and quarrels and stirring things up. And so that's the the, the kind of first bit of Titus chapter 3, where he talks about what believers should be like and believers should not be like. And then he talks about why that should be the case so this is in uh, in chapter 3 verse 1 onwards when he says get to be ready for every good work speak evil of no one etc etc verse 3 for we ourselves were once like this but when the goodness and loving kindness of god our savior appeared he saved us according to his own mercy and so that's one big reason, or the first big reason why he says there should be this contrast between believers and non-believers, and that's because believers have experienced, have received the goodness of God, and that should translate into good works and goodness to others. Now, for me, that's especially important to keep in mind because I've been involved in some types of, of you know mercy mi- relief m- mercy ministries and humanitarian work and medical missions for a while and it's always easy to do those ministries among the people who are deserving the people who are good the pr- people who are who are poor the people who really appreciate what you're doing and so that's you know like the children in east timor and and that's it's it's massively rewarding and you know gives you drive to keep going on but in this last week as I was in East Timor and speaking with some of uh, of our missionaries and other missionaries who have been there for a while, they're going through particular periods of, of special stress and disruption and difficulties and ministry. And a lot has to do with the people that they are ministering to. And so there are certain villages where there, there's, there, there's a lot of strife, there's a lot of resistance, there's a lot of lack of gratitude t- for effort that's been put in over a very, very long time. And that's always very hard to keep up with and to continue giving and ministering and doing good works in that kind of circumstance. Um, I, I know that probably the even more common encounter with that that I have is, uh, I work about once a week now uh, in the hospitals, in the emergency departments uh, of a hospital. And I know that myself and other people who do medical work constantly face this, that, you know, you're in a, in, a, in a lot of stress, you're trying to deal with a lot of patients, you're trying to help people. And then every now and then, right, there's this one uncle who will come in. Uh, and then they're, they're rude to you, they demand stuff from you, you know, they're, they're just completely unreasonable, and it totally throws off your ability to, to, to try and deal fairly with them, and then all of those other people that you're trying to help, right? And so if the reason why we're doing good or adhering to good works is because these people are, are deserving or good back to you, that's easy, but that's not a good reason, that doesn't last, And that doesn't reflect the reason why god asks us or god requires us to show good works to people not because they have been good to us but because god has been good to us and we spread that back out to all those around us there's a second reason within this text that talks about why you know believers should be dedicated to good works and that is this that we have been renewed By the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 onwards. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. And so that's the exercise of the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Something about the Spirit's presence in us. Renews us, changes us, moves our heart, shapes our heart to move in a direction of towards good works. When, when I first came to, to belief, I, I think I became a Christian, I was like about like 18 years old or something. And at that time, one of the things that, I, that confused me for a while, was all this talk about, you know, the supernatural aspects of the Holy Spirit, that I should be able to prophesy and cast out demons and, and speak in tongues and, you know, and heal people and do like just amazing stuff and walk on water. Right, and uh, I, I tried, and I tried for a long time, and most of the time, I felt like this, you keep kind of trying with that matchstick, and it doesn't it, it flickers a little bit and goes out and then I ah, yeah, cannot do anymore so what 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 happened and oh, 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 and it, not to say that these are not genuine works of the spirit or not things that we should move towards or try and, and exercise ourselves in, but the point is that. The way that the Spirit works in our lives, for most of us, is by enlivening our hearts, changing, giving us ectopic beats, you know, changing the, 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 the movement of our hearts, the shape of our hearts, moving us towards good works, towards the way that we treat other believers, towards God, and when that happens, that's the evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. And so what should believers be like? What should believers not be like? Titus describes that. And the reasons why, he gives us two reasons. One is because we've received goodness. And a second reason is because we've been renewed through the Holy Spirit residing within us. And so I'm going to move on from there and say, okay, fine. So this is what Titus says about speaking about you know, uh, about uh, good works, so what exactly does he say that believers should do in terms of their relationship to good works? So, I'm going to point out just three places in Titus 3 where that term is used, good works, and what is the implications that Paul draws out around that idea. And so, the first is verse 1, where he says, remind them to be ready for every good work, Verse 8, where he says that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works, that these things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid these other things. And the third is to let our people to learn to, learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and to not be unfruitful. So I'm going to go through those three ideas that you see around good works in, in Titus chapter 3. So the first is this, to to remind them, and this is Paul talking to Titus, he says, remind them, remind the congregation, remind the people in Crete to be ready for every good work. And the question is this, um, how have you made yourself ready for every good work? What has that meant to you in your Christian life, in your last, you know, one year of your Christian walk? Or in your last five years in your Christian walk, what have you done to make yourself ready, or to be ready for good works? And that may mean freeing up time to be ready for that. And my wife is looking at me with like with those eyes now because I know that this is one of those areas where you know I ended up convicting myself as I was kind of preparing this sermon in that uh, I I I pack a lot into my schedule and. uh, I, right now I have about three and a half kind of part-time different jobs and I've got kind of other things that I'm interested in doing as well and then on top of that there's my wife and the cat and all these different things to, to deal with <laughs> and, um, and, and one of the things that does in fact make it difficult to be, to be ready and to be able to take up opportunities that present my, themselves to, to be engaged in good work or to exercise you know uh, good work is, is just that lack of time and um I know that this is the case for me and um, I, I, I don't know if that's the case for some of you as well. Or maybe it's not the availability of time but just the readiness of one's heart. That when the times come to be ready to, to do that that good work. Um, wh- wh- one of the things that, that I mean, Lois and I have struggled with for some time is what to do when people come up to you and ask you for money when we're working in, in, in developing countries. And um, one of the ways that it's been quite easy for me to deal with that because there's always so much need all around you and there are always people and more people who will be asking for, some for stuff from you. It's just as a rule just say no and just tell yourself beforehand you know I've committed to this much giving and that's what I'm going to give in a systematic pre-planned way but when people come up to me just blanket rule is just say no. It's just easier that way because you don't need to go and search your heart each time that, that you deal with them. Um, and this last week, when, when, when I was in East Timor, uh, you, you know our missionary Mike Kyrie, right I was talking to him, and he was describing how, just after meeting me, he had gone out into the you know, gone out to get into his vehicle to go back home and outside he saw uh, this, this young man who was kind of selling um, you know, um, selling phone credit on the street and Mike Kyrie looked at him, and he just felt at the time that here 's this guy in the hot sun in the middle of the day probably not making a lot of money so i'm just going to give him a drink and 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 he did that and and then mike told me about this and i felt so rotten because i know that if i had seen that guy i would have said i don't need phone credit thank you and just carried on because for me i've i told myself beforehand that when meeting these kinds of needs or encountering these kinds of needs of people around me it's easiest to just not search your heart through that, just say no, and then think about it You know, at the, at the end of the day. And, uh, and and Mike's example is one of being, just having a heart that's ready to, to see who's in the, who's the need, and to do something about it, and I wish I had a little bit more of that. And so those are some of the things that stop me, or, or make it difficult for me to, to uh, be ready for every good work, and I don't know what that means for you. It may be these things, or it may be something else, or maybe that's something to that you can bring up in your CG and ask, what, what, what stops this? You know, what, why, why, what makes it easier or harder to, to be doing good works? So that's the first text, you know, remind them to be ready for every good works. The second, you know, for uh, verse number eight, those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works, and these things are excellent and profitable for, few, uh, for people, but avoid these other things which are unprofitable and worthless. That's verse 8 and 9. Um, and the question is this. What, what, what are you devoted to? Are these the kind of things that you're devoted to? The kind of things that are excellent and profitable for people? Or, or is there something else that takes up your, your, your mind, your heart, your passions? What, what you talk about, what you think about? What, what, what's on your mind when you're driving on the road and when you're, when you're waiting to go to sleep? And... Um, so I'm gonna tell you a slightly embarrassing story. And, and there's this. Um, so about uh, three months ago, my brother was in Singapore. So he's the, the better looking Indian man in the photograph. Uh, and that's my mom in the center. And so when my brother was around, one of the things that we did to just kind of bond was we, we, we started playing this computer game. And it's called, uh, I don't know if any of you know what this is, but it's called Team Fortress. And it's free and you can download it online. And it's one of those first person shooter things. And I, And the thing is, I, had, I, I, I used to play these kind of things back in like high school and, and, uh, and, and my, in my medical school. And so I thought, this is great. We can play this game with my brother and I'll smash him. But it was terrible. We played it for about a year and he killed me like 10 times more than I got him. You know? And, and I, I'm suspecting that it's partly just because of age. like He just got faster reflexes than me. But in any case, it was awful. And then after that, you know, he, we, he left, he went back to, uh, to, to, to Japan where he's working right now. Um, and... Uh, then I thought, I should practice a little bit so that the next time, you know, he doesn't beat me so badly. And so I started, and this is the terrible part, <laughs> because um, I ended up playing an awful lot of Team Fortress. Okay. And, and it is like, every day I'd like come back home and it would be like, Lewis, can I just play for one hour? <laughs> and she, of course, you know, she'd say, yes, Raj, you're tired, you can play for one hour, and then I'd play. And then at the end of one hour, it'll be like, Starting up took five minutes, so can I just play for five minutes longer? And then, and then just a little bit longer. And, then, and invariably it took a little bit longer than that. And then this happened, and over time I found that it was on my mind so much, and it's so exciting because you're in a team, and there are these different roles that you can take, and you can be the guy with the flamethrower or the engineer who builds these, like, sentry guns, or it can be the doctor who heals people. And then I, t- I found that in the morning when I'm on my way to work, You know, what I'm thinking about is, where will I build my next sentry gun so that I can kill the opposing team? It It was just consuming my mind. And, you know, at these points in time, right, I would be, like, playing, and then there's, like, a pause in the game. And then I'd be thinking, like, a flash of insight. Maybe the Holy Spirit speaking within me. I'd be like, Raj, you are an adult. What are you doing with this? And then next thing I know, I die. I'm like, ah, forget it. I'm going to go kill you back because you kill me, right? And then there goes, you know, all of the you know, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But point being that it consumed me for a bit more than it should have. So for about two weeks, and I think I probably played more than like 20 hours all in, right? And so at the end of it, I, I you know, but By the grace of God and by the shaming of Lewis, I, I, dele- I deleted it off my computer, so I haven't touched it for the last a you know, like, like couple of weeks. So please keep me accountable on that one. Because I'm, not, I'm not sure if I should be happy or sad. <laughs> okay. but, but in any case, so but, but bottom line is that at that period of time, uh, honestly, that's what I was devoted to. I mean, that's the kind of thing that 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 consumed my mind. That thing that I was thinking about. That that gave me life. That made it fun for me. And this is not to say that that recreation is a bad thing. You know, whether it's it's whether you do play Team Fortress. You know, some of you, you know, please confess. Okay, or 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 something else, or or maybe it's tennis or cooking or or watching TV or whatever. This is not to say that any of those things are, are are bad or sinful or should be shut out. But just that if it's risen to a level of being you being devoted to it or it consuming your mind and your thoughts and your and your emotions uh, as this did to me uh, then then, then something's wrong and what Paul asks Titus to do is to ensure that his people are are devoted to what devoted to to good works did at that time did good works come anywhere near the level of team fortress true in my heart sadly it did not And how profitable to people is that? And I don't mean by profitable, how much money does it make, but how much good did it do to people? In that period of time, uh, for for me, it it, it was not much. Um, And so that's the first bit, you know, remind them to be ready for every good work. And the second bit was to be careful to devote yourself to good works and not to other things that might suck up your energy or your life. And the third is this, and that to let your people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need. And the point is this, this is a very interesting thing for Paul to say, that they would not just be transformed to become devoted to good works, but let our people learn. And that implies that at least in part it's something that, that you develop, that you grow in, that you become better at over time? And if that's the case, then the question is this, how have you learned to devote yourself in good works? And never mind other people or how you do in comparison to the person next to you, but how about how much you're devoted to good works now as compared to what you were yesterday or, or the month before or five years ago in your Christian walk? Because if it's been the same, if you've not learned, if you've not grown, then something's wrong, and Paul's going to get Titus to come after you and remind you for this. Now, um, there are a couple of, I mean, there are at least two things that have helped me, Um, and this is a Harley Davidson Roadster, and it is beautiful, and I... I'm not seeing a lot of, 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 of identification here, but anyway, just, just stick with me. So um, when, when, when I was in, in school, you know, I, I remember looking at bikes like this and loving them and thinking one day I'd like to have something like that. And um, I mean, after, you know, I graduated, starting, started working, well, one of my classmates, uh, he managed to buy one of these, and that made me hopping mad. You know, okay, okay not mad, but at least it's was quite frustrated because I was like, ah, God, I wanted something like that. Why is it that he can get something like that, and I can't? Okay, and, and I was quite annoyed by that, but over time, you know, got older, got wiser. You know, that, that's one of those you know, areas of envy of my life that just managed to kind of, you know, I guess, it wasn't dealt with, but just kind of slowly went away. And then three weeks ago, right, this same guy, I go and meet him at a, at, a, at, a, at a meeting with my other friends, and he tells me he's got an even nicer bike than this. Terrible. Same kind of draw, open wound opened up again. And again, I was thinking, ah, oh, it's terrible. Why is it that he's got this and I don't have this? And and and, uh, and, and a little bit of my time, okay, not as much as Team Fortress 2, but a little bit of my time went into kind of Googling these motorcycles and kind of seeing you know, whether I can like afford them with my current... I didn't tell you about this, but, you yeah. <laughs> so. And then, uh, last week, I, I, I was in East Timor, and I met, um, you know, these g- good friends of mine, this um, Jeremy and Bethany Beckett. They're from Australia. He's maybe about two, three years older than me, and he's been in East Timor now for about three years. He works in a Christian NGO that's driving the, um, the, uh, the development of health workers within East Timor, um, uh, and and there, there's a lot of, you know, v- very impressive work that they're doing. And as I was talking to them and this more time that I spent with them, um, I, I realized later that, you know, not only have they been in Timor for these three years, but he's got four kids, okay? And, and these guys are like all now, I think, between like, you know, three and, and three and ten years old or something. And so they're both of these guys doing this, and each of them and this is, this is open information, that they both make about $1,000 per ma- US dollars per month in, in doing this kind of work. And I found myself suddenly convicted, you know, thinking back to how just you know uh, a few short days ago, all of my mind and my time was consumed thinking of how can I like, you know, make a couple of more thousand dollars so that I can afford one of these. And then I'm around these guys who have dedicated their lives and, and given up lots of opportunity um, in order to serve the people in East Timor. And you know, you know how th- there's this thing about how one bad apple like, spoils the pot or something like that? Spo- spoils a barrel, right? Like a barrel of apple, not pot. pot. Um, I, I think it kind of works the other way as well, because at least for me, um, I find that when I'm that rotten apple or I have certain inclinations and desires of heart, just being around people who have got higher desires and more, more honorable desires and more driven by Godward things, that, that shapes me and, and makes me a little less rotten. And it's, it's maddening how how malleable, how, how, how easily shaped my, my heart is. It's, it, it's like tofu, you know, you put it in the fridge next to anything and it kind of absorbs that, right? And, and the same thing happens to me. And so, and at least for me, that's one of the ways in which I, I try and learn to be more devoted to good works and just to be around people who are more devoted than i am towards good works and i know it sounds bad but that probably also means at least a little bit i should spend a little bit less time around that guy who's got a nice motorcycle uh, but 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 that, but that will help me that will help me to shape my heart because it is so easily moved it is so easily shaped it is so easily influenced just by you know who, who i allow myself to be around. Another way that I found helpful in trying to move towards devotion to good works is this. I, I, I'm, I'm sure some of you have heard this story about the three guys who tried to climb the wall. If you've heard it, I don't, don't, don't need to tell the story, right? Okay, so I do need to tell the story. Okay, all right. So, so, so the story is that there are these three guys who wanted to climb this, like, high wall. So... So, so the first guy comes up to this high wall, and then he tries to like scramble up over it, and, and, and he can't, you know, and he just slips and slides, and then he stops, and he says, ah, cannot be done, and then just kind of moves on. Then the second guy comes over, and he wants to, to climb the wall, so he decides, no, this is too wall, too high for me to just kind of scramble up, so I know what I need to do. I need to get a ladder. And so he goes off, finds the ladder, comes back, puts the ladder against the wall, climbs up, but the ladder's too short. So he gets frustrated, and he's like, ah, Fine, forget it, you know, and then he walks off. Then this third guy who comes, stands there, looks at this high wall, and then says, takes out his wallet, throws it over the wall. Takes off his shirt, throws it over his wall. Takes off his pants, throws it over the wall. And then the other two guys come back and say, wow, how are you going to get over it? And he says, I don't know, but now I have to, right? Because my stuff is on the other side and the point of this is commitment is of forcing yourself is of putting a stake in the ground that makes it impossible for you to say I'm just going to give up and go away to do something that commits yourself before you're ready maybe even before you're able to to climb that wall and what that may mean is making a commitment to saying to telling me Juan, okay that's it I'm going to be one of your four English teachers next year, full stop no no wait i'm not saying that i'm saying that <laughs> i'm saying that that might be somebody's commitment okay? <laughs> Or it might mean um, you know just upping and deciding and going or doing something, even when you're uncertain exactly how much you're able to commit to that and and at least for Lewis and I, that was a part of what what happened like last year when we were when we went to sierra leone sometimes people ask us you know what what, what was god's confirmation for you made you sure that you know it's time for you to k- kind of stop and go one year you know over there to, to sierra leone and the answer is we, we didn't have any certainty at that time we just felt that it was a right thing to do it is a, it is a scary thing to do uh, but just do it lo- and so we kind of uprooted, you know, made, the, you know, made the, the unpaid leave, you know, did the, the, the sums, the math that we needed to do in terms of income and just decided to go. And then after we got there, at least for the first little while, it was like, oh no, did we make the right decision? Should we be even here? But then at the end of the year, or, or looking back now, I'm able to look back and say, it, it, it was a right decision and I'm grateful to God that, that we were able to do that. And so sometimes it's just just take the leap, blah, just go. What, 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 what do we have to lose in terms of trying, you know, for good works? And so, um, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. And how have you learned or moved or developed in the last couple of years in your devotion to good works? And these are two things that have helped, out, helped for me. And that's, one is just hanging out with good examples with the Jeremy Becketts and all of those. And just, just commit yourself. Right? Just just make it impossible for you not to. And so that's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to end over there. And that's what, you know, what, what should we say? What can we say about good works in the believer's life? And from Titus 3, we can say this. We are asked to be ready in our posture of heart for good works. We're asked to devote ourselves, to devote ourselves, our, our energy, our times, our minds, our hearts to this and not to other things, not to things that are unprofitable, unhelpful to people. And to learn and to grow year by year just a little bit better at devoting ourselves to good works. Would you pray with me? God, we look to you um, because before we deserved anything, before we were worthy of anything, while we were still in darkness, um, you gave yourself for us. Help us to remember that. Help us help that to be true and real in our hearts. And help that to drive us towards extending that same grace in good works. To others to the church in the way that we strenuously move towards the godly life the Christward life and God your spirit that dwells in each of us would that spirit bring to life our desires our dedications our devotions animates us, wakes us up in the morning, what we think about going to bed. Let that drive us. And God, help us to be devoted to the Christ-like life and help us to learn and grow and be better at that through the work that you do in us directly and through the company and the example of others in the church. Help us to do this. In Jesus' name we pray.